Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, church, for beautifying the cross this morning. What a joy it is. I'm excited. I was trying to, I actually had to kind of calm myself down a little bit because I was afraid I'd talk so fast that uh, the sermon would be too quick. We can't have that happen. You got to just let it go longer and longer. You know how we work, how I work. No. But it's good to worship with you again. It was great to see many of you here on our Good Friday Stations of the Cross first ever service. And it was a, it was a true blessing uh, to my heart to watch our church family, to watch you who profess Christ come and, and, and lead your families through the stations, uh, to meditate, to give your hearts, to surrender your hearts to Christ. And it enables us just to keep life in perspective. When we think about what Christ has done for us in the cross. And what a joy it is to see and be a part of families that love the Lord as this congregation does. So thank you for all that helped us put that service on. Thank you, Diana. She arranged a lot. Janet Hunter, who provided the artwork. Dwight and Pat, who led in communion after the service and whoever helped. Thank you very much. Well, I want to launch into um, the sermon this morning with a story. And this, this is a true story. It took place even before Corky was born, uh, even before World War II. In the 1930s, Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin, a Bolshevik revolutionary, a Soviet leader, and a Marxist philosopher, Joined, uh, journeyed from Moscow to Kiev. And his mission was to address a huge assembly of people on the subject of atheism. And so for a solid hour, he stood and he aimed his artillery of mockery and ridicule, argument after argument. And after that hour, he stopped and he surveyed the people and what he thought was just a faith left in ashes. People's faith was smoldering. And then he asked, are there any questions? And after a few seconds of awkward silence, somebody in the audience or in the crowd began to move and came forward and asked permission. May I speak? This elderly man mounted the platform, moved close to this communist figure. The audience, because of the kind of atmosphere and rulership that was taking place during this day, the audience was nervous and stood breathless and silent. And the man got up and he surveyed them to the right, and made eye contact all the way to the left. And at last he shouted the ancient orthodox greeting. Christ is risen. And the vast assembly arose as one man and the response came crashing like the sound of an avalanche. He is risen indeed. True story. Christ is risen indeed. One of the reasons that we have this beautiful tradition is because this, you know, 
Easter falls right in our spring season here in Virginia where we actually have things coming back to life, springing into life. And we get to enjoy all the variety and the colors, but it's, a, it's the symbolism that those who are in Christ, and because of the tomb, life just burst forth. Everything that Christ is a part of bursts forth and thrives and flourishes with new life. And we are part and parcel as a congregation of that new life. As I watched person after person come forward with their gift, I was reminded that we are a part of the story of redemption. We're a page in it. It was written that we shall come to faith. We shall serve as worshipers of God. And that's what we do this morning. And I appreciate your dedication to survey the wonderful cross. And today's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful scene and everybody looks splendid. It's a great time. I appreciate uh, those that get dressed up. And the ladies often put their Easter dresses on. And, and you guys look great. Even those of us who have celebrated many, many, many Easter's. We are here with new life. You know, as wonderful as sometimes our church services get, and we have some powerful, by God's grace, we have powerful services here throughout the year. Sometimes just the Lord blesses with powerful work, times of worship. Word goes forth. This is just a foretaste. It's just a foretaste. No matter how great the singing gets, the music gets, the congregation. It's just a foretaste of what is to come because of the promise and the power of the risen Christ. Why is this so? Because what death did to Christ is nothing compared to what Christ is doing to death. And that's what we sang about this morning. Death cannot hold the risen Christ. As the final part... Of God's plan of redemption. You and I. The children of God will be raised. And will be glorified. And exalted in a way. That we have never ever experienced before. And we cannot experience in this world. So to come here. And celebrate Easter Sunday. And to think about. Christ in the tomb is a reminder that the tomb can't hold Christ. That death can't hold Christ. It has no hold on Him. Spirit and body. And it's also a reminder that we will be raised as well. We will be resurrected. So I want to look at a very popular passage. And Noah quoted from it this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to look at four comparisons that Paul makes regarding the resurrection. He gives us four examples of what life is like now, what we're experiencing now, as compared to what will happen as a result of the resurrection. And you know, the resurrection and the the whole idea of having a glorified body and what's it going to be like in heaven, well, we don't have all the answers. It's just one of those things that God gives us as a mystery Because it's not completely revealed yet. 
And that's what a, a mystery is. And revelation, it's, it's when you're slowly revealing things. So we see a little bit. But this is something that God has given us in Scripture to hang our imaginations on, to, to put our minds and our thoughts and our wonder on the right path. It's okay to think about it in, in this context and in this way. So I want to read 1 Corinthians 15, 42 and 44 and then skip to verse 49 just for sake of time. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And that's what we want to focus on in this passage this morning. Here's what we are now, and here's what we will Become when the trumpet blows and Christ returns. So the first comparison is the perishable versus the imperishable. I think it is so in a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. When it comes to being perishable, I think most of us can relate to this idea. It, it means that it's not going to last forever. There's an expiration date. There's a shelf date. So many of you that got Easter candy, I understand that there's, a, there's about 90 million, see if I got this right, 90 million chocolate bunnies made for the Easter season. You better eat them quick. They won't last forever. Although with the preservatives they put in things these days, you don't have to eat it all at once. But sooner or later, it's not going to taste right. And then sooner or later, you just can't eat it. Things are perishable. So kids, when your parents say, don't eat all that candy at one time, say, but it's going to, it's perishable, mom and dad. Don't you listen to the sermon? Your teeth are perishable too, kids. Just remember that. (laughs) Perishable. We have a shelf life. That's what scripture tells us. That's, that's the, the now. God even says our days are numbered. You know, Methuselah lived 969 years. That is a long time. Can you imagine? But he also went to the grave. He went in the ground. Because nobody lasts forever. We have a date where our bodies will give out. And in this context, Paul is telling us that that's just how it happens. It's, it's not as tragic as you think. Though there is pain and suffering in the midst of the now. Because that pain and suffering and this whole idea of living with, with the idea of sooner or later, I'm going to be gone. It's not the final plan. Because in the story of redemption, actually the old models have to give way to the new models. That Christ will give us. The new minds. The new hearts. The new bodies. The new spirits in a glorified form. And so the now is the perishable. And what is to come. 
but the imperishable. Can you imagine something with no shelf life, no expiration date? Even the lifetime warranty stuff these days, I don't trust it. We will never wear out. We will, we will, our resurrected bodies will never quit. We'll never give in. We'll not be subject to any kind of sickness, any kind of disease. And we will be completely capable and healthy forever and ever and ever. And that means a lot to me. In particular, right now in the midst of a pandemic where you have to wear masks, you have to social distance, lockdowns and quarantines and so many things and all the fear that that spreads. That is not a part of the life to come. There'll be no evidence of injury or, or disease because we will be made perfect. And the glorious thing is that Once again, our bodies that were made to perfectly reflect the image of Christ. That's when that will be realized. We don't know what that's like yet. We see glimpses. We see salt. We see light among ourselves and other believers in this world. We see wonderful things take place. But we have never seen a human being reflect the image of Christ as they will. With their glorified and resurrected bodies. And sometimes it's hard to remember that mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. The top. So only man reflects the image of God. Based on how sometimes we, we look, sometimes how we behave. And yet our glorified bodies will gleam for Christ. As we will live in such a way as we were intended to live. So we want to hang our minds on the perishable versus the imperishable that is to come. So another comparison that the apostle gives to the saints to encourage them. Is verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Now why would Paul talk about us? As people of dishonor. Well, it's because God judges. God's the judge of what's honorable and what's not honorable. See, he serves as the standard. He he measures and compares. The scripture tells us that we're born in shame. That we're born in infamy. infamy. That we're born with a sin nature. And our bodies really are alive with reproach. And in our bodies lives rebellion and disobedience. And and we rob God. We, We have sins of commission and sins of omission. We fail on a daily basis to give God the glory that he is worth. There's there's rebellion. There's pride. And it doesn't take much to see. Just read the the headlines of almost any article that we read today. And you see man's disgrace. Many of the headlines that you read today are evidence of man's disgrace. Murder, deceit, lust, greed, slavery, racism. It's shameful 
the things that we read about ourselves on a daily basis. And in our fallen world, we often reflect the image of Satan as much or more than we reflect the image of God. Mark Twain, in his American wit, once said, Man is the only animal that blushes and the only animal that needs to. Dishonor. And the antonym that the Apostle Paul uses for dishonor is glory. So we go from that to this. We go to glory. What does glory mean in Scripture? It has to do with a heaviness, a weightiness, like an awesomeness, like this, this substance that's, that's real and, and wonderful and strong and powerful and beautiful through and through. Goodness, inward and outward. There will be no longer this dishonor or this disgrace. But we will be beautiful beings as God describes or as God defines beauty. You know, pregnant women are often described as having a certain glow if they're pregnant. Matter of fact, some people, I've heard some people actually identify a female. You're pregnant, aren't you? You're expecting, aren't you? How'd you know? Well, you just have that glow. And it's not a made-up thing. There really are, by God's design, hormones that are released and the blood flow increases and the skin gets more radiant and beautiful and color and you're flushed with color and it's a real thing. Can you imagine? That's on an earthly scale from the release. Can you imagine when the power of God as we have never experienced it in our bodies is released in resurrection form, what it will do for us, how radiant we will be, how beautiful we will be, how capable and strong we will be. If this can take place on a small scale, imagine what God has in store for us on a large scale. And you know, in the word glory also, not just the heaviness and the weightiness, but it also is related to a radiance, like a light. It goes with the glory of God. There's no darkness in the kingdom of God. It will be a thing of the past. And so there's, a, there's this idea of a radiance brightness. And even in this life, the now, there have been people in seasons, such as Moses, who spent special, intimate time before the face of the Lord and came away with a radiance to the degree that his face had to be veiled. It was too bright. And that's what happens with glory as God sees it. In Second Peter, we've been looking at that book and Peter reminded us of one of the highlights of his Christian life, the Mount of Transfiguration, where he saw the humble servant Christ often disrespected and mocked in this world, be transformed. A glimpse of what is to come, as described in Matthew 17, 2, and he was transfigured before them. What does it look like? And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. As light. And this suggests the, the, the good possibility that we in our resurrected bodies will have an illuminating a radiance 
as a sign that we have been exalted to a a degree that we have never been exalted or lifted up before. A light, a radiance, a, a glory about us. Matthew 13, 43, Jesus says about those that trust in him. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear. So there's this real possibility. Picture that, imagine that. That our resurrected bodies will have a visible brightness. Yes, we'll be transformed from shame to glory, from darkness to light, from blemish to purity, forever and ever before the bright and radiant face of God. And then the third comparison of the now and the then, verse 42, it's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. In this world, we find weakness. And I know we like to talk about how strong we are and how fit we are and how young we look. But in real life, what we see is people who can seldom do what they want to do. Seldom look how they want to look. Seldom lift or accomplish what they want to accomplish in life. The world is not as it's supposed to be. This word weakness, it it has to do with being frail, feeble, sick, even diseased. We are a people who are prone. We're a people who have to fight things off, work hard to fight things off, to try to even stay healthy. It also has to do with trials and troubles. This world is not like it is supposed to be. I mean, if I were to ask... This morning, how many are feeling perfectly whole this morning? Or how many walked in here with some kind of just heavy burden? Spiritual, psychological, mental, or a physical ailment. We are, we soon become aware that our bodies are weak. Sometimes we fight and fight and fight. The day comes when we no longer have any fight left in us. We have a, uh, a prime, yes, but it's too short. It's like coming, comes and goes. Next thing you know, it's over. So the things, as we age, you begin to recognize the things that you used to just be able to do without even thinking. You can't do those things anymore. You got to find new approaches. You, you need help. You need the strength of others to accomplish what you used to be able to accomplish by yourself. In our weaknesses, sometimes we start to lose our thoughts. We have to finish each other's sentences. It's a part of the now. And sometimes the body gets so weak, we come in this world full of life and strength and we learn new things and new skills And many of us will leave this world having to have somebody help us just to the restroom. It's just life. That's the now. But Paul says, yes, that will be buried. That will be buried for good and replaced with power. 
So not only will our bodies be free from aging, they will be given the fullness of power. What does that look like? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like what we see in Marvel Comics or DC Comics with superhero power. It could be something close to that. But here's what I do know. We will be imbued with such a level of power that there will be absolutely nothing that Christ will, will ask of us that we cannot accomplish perfectly and wholly. We will be morally strong. We will be physically strong. We will be mentally strong. We will be able to do everything that is asked us. And one of the things about this world that reminds us that it's constantly broken is all the things we can't do. I have lists of things that I need to do. I mean, literally, if you see my desk, it's, it's just notes of things I have to do. Because I can't get to everything all in one day. And so our lives are often unaccomplished. And we will go to our graves with things unaccomplished. Things that we had every intention. But we didn't have the strength. We didn't have the power. Our strength will be sufficient. To serve the Lord in the way that we were intended to serve Him. We will have the energy. We will have all the energy that we need. In this world, some people can't even get from the, the bed to the kitchen without a cup of coffee. Something to perk us up. It's not uncommon to see people of all ages, especially young people, walking around with a Red Bull, as if you need more energy, or an amp, just guzzling these things. But the fact of the matter is, don't you just... I want energy. I want more power. I want more strength. I, don't, I would love to not even have to sleep, quite frankly. Just keep going. Keep going because if the energy's there, why not? Do one good thing after another. That's what heaven will be like. And we will never again feel defeated or unable to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Aren't you as frustrated as I am that we fail God? That we give ourselves excuses for obeying Him? That we come away thankful for reading a devotion of the Word of God and then we don't fulfill it? We don't obey it? That frustrates me. It makes my life here miserable at times. But it's just temporary. God is going to fix that weakness and replace it with power. And then the last metaphor that the Lord gives us. Now is the natural. And then comes the spiritual. Sown a natural body. Raised a spiritual body. Natural just simply means it's of this world. It's of this earth. It's in the cycle of life. Things come. They go. It's, it's material. It's substance. And we're reminded that... We were formed from God, from dust. Just the dust, the clay. That's how God formed Adam. But he breathed life into him. And so we come from dust. And to dust we shall go. But our new bodies will have a, a spiritual life. We'll have new spiritual taste buds. Life will be so wonderful. 
We can't stand it, so to speak. We will be able to taste and see that the Lord is good in a way that cannot be experienced in this life. So to have a spiritual body, what we have can look forward to, it really can mean two things, and actually it means both things, I would say. It can mean spiritual in the sense of non-physical, and we already have that. We're body and spirit. That's how God made us when He breathed life into the dust, the clay. So in the sense of, um, of non-material, we would be raised in that we, we maintain that, but also spiritual, Scripture uses in the sense of we're in the Spirit, meaning we're conforming to the Holy Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. What does that mean? It means we're, we're hearing God's Word, the kingdom ways, and we are conforming to those. We're doing what the Spirit would have us to do. We're, we're Spirit-minded. And so our bodies will have both of these characteristics in, in perfection. And we will have our physical body, but our spirits will be whole and perfected just like our physical bodies are. Our spirits are not perfect either. Our spirits are flawed. Our whole person, our whole being is flawed. That's what Christ came to redeem. So we're not going to be like floaties in heavens with no, with no material substance. We will have that. Christ's body was raised physically. That's what Scripture says teaches us. It's just that we will be transformed into our new and improved version, if you will. And you'll remember that Christ's body was, it, it took a little bit of time for some to recognize him, but Christ's body was visible and recognizable. Uh, he mingled with people that he knew. And they saw him, they heard his voice, uh, even with Thomas he was able to touch him and put his, his fingers in the pierced hands. And then in his resurrected body, this is his resurrected body, what did he do? He ate. He processed food. He tasted food. That's real substance. He wasn't some apparition as some would believe. His resurrected body gave him the ability to appear and then disappear. Gave him the ability to walk through walls or doors. That's when we know Christ, the glorified Lord, was risen. That's his new body. He didn't do that with the body before the tomb and the cross. We have reason to believe that will, there will be enough of the old to make the new in this way glorified. So think about this. Begin to wind down. In the same passage, Paul uses the example of a seed that is sown. One of our lyrics in the songs that we sang talked about a seed. The seeds that will come forth and spring forth. Verse 38, God gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seeds, a body of its own. So he's still working with the original seed. But there will come a time in our weakness, in our temporary shelf life, that we as seeds will be planted into the ground. And because of that, what comes forth 
has a new shape, has a new appearance, has a new beauty and body. And Paul calls this process of transformation from one degree of glory to another. The kingdom of God is all about degrees of glory because our God is as glorious as any being can possibly be. And so the kingdom is very much about that weightiness and that radiance and that glory. Verse 40, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for star differs from star in glory. And see, right now, we have a glory because we are created in the image of God. And if we are in Christ, we are reflecting the image of Christ. There is a a degree of glory. Sometimes we experience different degrees of glory as we worship together, as we cling to God's Word, as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. There are glorious things. But the life that we live here It is helpful to remember and see it as just seed form. Keep it in its scriptural understanding. On the page of the book that it belongs. Our lives here and our bodies, our minds. It's seed form. But even in seed form, we never give up. Because we have the hope of what is to come. And that is when we burst out of the ground in full glorified form. Second Peter has been teaching us to be more captivated with God and His glory and the degrees of glory that are taking place among us and in this church and in this world, more captivated with God than anything that transpires in this world. We are not to make this place or look at this place or interact it with this place as if it is our permanent dwelling. It's temporary. Everything about us, it serves a temporary purpose. But one day, it will be gone. And so the second coming and, and the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ is a big deal. And Scripture would have us be thinking about it and placing our hope in it. And I hope that the church doesn't get to the place where we only think about the resurrection on our Easter service. Or we only think about the resurrection at funerals. No. We need to think about the resurrection. It needs to be in our peripheral vision all the time. Christ is coming coming back. And we in seed form will be raised. And we will be taken up with Him. And the little bit that we know about it is all good. And it's better better, much better than anything that we have or see here in this life. But we want to put our hope in that and live like that. Later on in the chapter, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, give yourselves fully, wholly to the Lord and your work for the Lord, your toil for the Lord. So there's an application, not just waiting for it, but to be so excited about it that you begin to do kingdom things. In your seed form bodies. Feel free. 
Feel the freedom to dream, to imagine the things have come. Feel, feel the freedom to dream and imagine you and your glorified body. Feel free to dream and imagine the, the, the health you will have, the strength, the power, the, the wit, the, the mental acumen, the radiance, the moral perfection. Not just physical health. Moral perfection. Perfect spirituality. Feel free. Some of us may be reminded of how terrible life is in seed form. It's hard. You know, life in seed form will leave you in a puddle of tears sometimes. Life in seed form sometimes will rip your heart out. And in seed form, we experience intense pain, terrible disappointments, betrayal, suffering, everything that Christ experienced, that was real. And life in seed form is hard. But it's not all there is. And there's going to come a day when that seed goes in. And what pops up will bring God the utmost glory. So we can say goodbye. The day will come we can say goodbye to the confusion. Say goodbye to the contention. To the the deception. To the death. To the darkness. To the burdens. To the bleakness. To the temptation. To the sin. And the corruption. Because Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning. And I have asked Jessica Moss. I asked her in advance, way in advance, not just last night. Would you please sing, do some special music for us for Easter? And Jessica Moss, if you know her, is never one to back down from an opportunity to serve God. And so she's going to come and sing a song for us. Thank you for the blood.